Star Trek, The Nerdy Frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission, to explore each episode, to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations, to boldly watch what they've already watched before. Oh. I didn't even prep, prep a nice intro for this one. Ooh, that's Jake, the best intro. What the fuck? You have one job. <laughs> to come up with some type of cold A lot open. of jobs. How about I do the cold intro because oh. this is a female-centric Ooh. planet. You're right. Love that call. Attention residents of Angel One. We're coming down to see what you're up to. Is that cool? Wow. Yeah. Ladies, we down? We landing? You're not going to deny my allowed. request? We're um, we're just feeble men that cannot comprehend what is happening right now. That's so true. Good point. I guess I'll do the podcast solo today. Can we get you a pie or a massage? Yeah. Yeah. Could you guys please expose more chest hair or just chest skin? Okay, but I swear, and I, I'm pretty sure I speak for Jake on this, we've all had that shirt at one point or another. Wait, what? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, exact I mean, am I right, guys? Yeah. Well, we've, we've all had I it. mean, I've unbuttoned a, a shirt uh, to the level that oh, you can no, see no. all the business, but I don't know if I've Not ever a, had anything that low. A tasteful uh, exposed nipple just to the side. What was perplexing is that Riker's nipple was fully camouflaged in the chest hair on my definition. <laughs> was it a makeup choice? Is that... I don't know. Cold open complete. Welcome <laughs> to To Boldly Watch, the podcast where we explore awesome stuff. I guess what that's what the intro we already had was for, but mm-hmm. I'm going to do it my way, and I'm going to say, I'm Becca Scott. <laughs> uh, I'm Jake Michaels. And I'm Xander Genre. There we go. That's an intro, Jake. So cold Boom. open needs to be followed by someone saying, that was the cold open, and now I'll introduce <laughs> Just it. Just confirm. To mo- it's, it's a segue, but it. it's like a cool segue. People like organization. <laughs> I did have in the top of my organized notes that, uh, what if I came into this episode with, I don't like how men are treated. <laughs> and just started with I a hot take on that. murder you. <laughs> okay, okay we enough. all get it. This was such a weird episode. Well, Jake, do you want to do the episode synopsis before I explain why I feel so uncomfortable? Angel One (laughs) is while Riker leads an away team to a female-dominated planet, a mysterious virus spreads among the Enterprise crew. Don't forget there is something about Romulans that we forgot to care about. <laughs> well, that, yeah, the Romulan aspect of it, which is that there's some battle cruisers that are uh, spotted in the neutral zone, is kind of our timer for the episode, right? It's like our yeah. pressing moment to, we need to solve this quickly and get to more pressing matters. Which we always have, and this time, they just really skimmed it. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so the whole episode is really about flipping, like, misogyny, uh, mm. oh, it's, Whoa, there's a word for it. And mm-hmm. andiogen fuck. Anyway, <laughs> it was like, wow, replace all these phrases of what they're saying about men with women, and it's uh, right. it's a trope that we've all heard before, and we recognize as sexism and misogyny, and in, it's just as uncomfortable to have it the other way, even though it's not played as a joke, but I'm sure people at the time probably thought this is funny, right? And it's not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not and equality. Think... It's uh, obviously the point that they were making. Sorry to jump back in. Uh, is that on yeah, the know. Enterprise they have complete equality, which is the goal, and really highlighting and um, showing people 
how backward sexism is in either direction. Um, but it just feels uncomfortable. Yeah, it's be, like outside of the episode, it feels like a product of its time, a very much like girl power like thing of the 80s, 90s type of thing. So it was like, you tried, I guess. Um, but flipping it and saying the awful things out of a woman's mouth is not better. <laughs> and I guess it was more to highlight that of like, see how bad this is? Maybe we should do something about it as opposed to see how bad this is. Isn't that funny? Right. You know? I didn't see much of the humor in it. I did see the message, which is that, you know, this is an equally bad situation. I didn't see them as trying to, like, lift up this culture so much as show they have the same problems. They've just changed the face of it. It kind of reminds me of the classic Star Trek episode of, um, I don't even remember what it's called, um, where there are two races that that share a, a planet, but one mm. side of their face mm. is dark and the, the other side white is white. Side right? and the black side. So it's like yeah. dominoes a little bit, but then yeah. the races that hate each other are simply the colors flipped. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, Hits you over the head with the metaphor there. Well, for sure they do. Uh, but at least that was a little more veiled than it's just female humans that are just dominating male human. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't feel like a different race altogether for me. Totally. So what was interesting was the captain, before they go down, is like, uh, the reason why women rule is they are much stronger they can be soldiers and all these things and then the actors at the time because it wasn't in vogue for women to be strong uh these actresses uh they're very thin. <laughs> They're like mm -hmm. not buff at all. And mm -hmm. they just cast like short male actors to be their male counterparts. <laughs> and I thought Those women were pretty tall though. Yeah. Well that was referenced several times, but um <laughs> I, if it were cast today, it would be, you know, women who are bodybuilders, I assume. That's kind of like, so I had this thing of like, okay, here's what I picture that they meant to do here. <laughs> I think they could have shown it a little more. They they didn't, they just kind of stood in the background and looked a little imposing and their costumes didn't really oh, show that off. Oh, you mean plastic fire sticks? Well, that's the thing. The little <laughs> fire sticks that they have, those little plastic wands, it's like, okay, yeah. that's... That's Give their them real weapons if you're trying to actually make these women look powerful, not puny, <laughs> dinky little. And don't make them so slightly phallic. I mean, they need to be a little bit. Right? They have yeah. fake little flames at the tip. I mean, maybe we're supposed to right. imagine it's like a cattle prod, but right. then get a freaking cattle prod. Come on. I feel like they won that at, at like a carnival yeah, game. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and I feel like with the uh, with the issues, they ran through central casting, and they were like, "Just give us the tallest ones you got." And it was just like this lineup <laughs> of just tall women, and they're like, "That'll, That'll do. do." Yeah, we don't have time. Our production schedule is really crunched. So to clarify right. what's going on, the pl the Enterprise is uh, looking after um, or looking for the survivors of the Odin, which was a freighter, I believe, that had mm -hmm. uh, not shown up for seven years at its destination. Uh, there was a asteroid-related collision, I think they said. And isn't – correct me if I'm wrong because I don't know um, astronomy, but aren't asteroids pretty slow-moving? Therefore, it's kind of like <laughs> the iceberg equivalent of space. Like they kind of slowly <laughs> plowed into this thing. <laughs> well, like it a Titanic a situation. It also could have been moving slowly, but yeah, they just kind of say whatever they, they want. And they saw their doom for like a day and a half. <laughs> right. As yeah. they were like, oh, and what do we five do? five months in an escape pod? I mean, oh, reference Wesley. Can you imagine? Uh, sorry, uh, Ramsey tells us about this later, but uh, 
Sounds like mm -hmm. hell. Sounds like absolute hell. And it takes two hours for the Enterprise to go that distance. What is this thing doing? <laughs> this should be decommissioned. Get that thing yeah. out of space. Mm -hmm. So the crew of the Enterprise beams down and they find this society that is dominated by women. Um, and they are they make men second class. And the way they show that is by having them dressed in a little bit more open <laughs> clothing and also make I them love just kind of the servants around the palace. And string around see. their junk. <laughs> Right, right. It's it's very um, like medieval in a way of the the cross guard. I think it's called. That's what you do with the ribbons that come up uh, all the way up through the codpiece and things like that. So it was a legitimate like costume. You say thing you think that's what it's called, but you know. I, I think that's what it's called. <laughs> I think that's it's what I do on Sundays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Um, no. I, th I think it was great, and and really at the time, Star Trek w is such a guy-based show. It was like uh, to show something like this in Star Trek um, with with the men having more of like an effeminate quality was really groundbreaking, mm -hmm. um, especially for the actor that they cast to play the main like Trent. servant. Trent. Trent, what a what a manservant name too, right? Trent. Yeah, I yeah. Get a Trent. Trent. No offense to any listeners named Trent, but that's where right. it goes. <laughs> but this is how we will always think of people with your name if you comment. Um, it's, right. it's the way they say it too. They say it with contempt. It's just Trent. Yeah, the, yeah. the moment I thought that they were trying to be humorous, maybe not. But when Trent goes and they're like talking about perfume, which comes up later, having to do with right. the, the virus on the ship, um, since. I guess is it the mm -hmm. theme there? But the perfume that Trent sprays on himself after he goes to get them is like it's, it's such an effeminate. It's moment. a full-on Z formation. Ooh, like, yeah. s snap, mm -hmm. snap. Yeah. <laughs> it was a cute little bit, but um, I don't know if like people thought it was funny at the time. It's yeah, so like weird. A, this episode was really weird for me. I'm not it into was. it because I'm a hardcore feminist, and to me, feminism is the fight for equality for women. So this is like right. painful idea of what someone who's very much against the feminist effort would be like. See, but this isn't what? feminism, right? Because you're right. Exactly. Feminism is about equality. This is uh, the word you're looking for earlier was uh, misandry. Misandry. Thank you. Mis right? Misandry. You're right. Um, and so. Yeah, they're just showing another sexist world. And I think they've been trying to do this in a lot of uh, versions of the first season here, where they're trying to flip norms on their head to show they're unequal in any context. Yes. One of the things that I did want to highlight, though, and while I agree with you, like 100% for most of the cases, uh, one of the things in this rewatching that sort of surprised me was the highlighting of gaslighting, which we don't really see that often in media, uh, in that the, the woman, uh, the the prime minister character, she's like B. using I. the language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beata. That's it. Also, uh, mistress. Mistress Beata. <laughs> uh, she was using the language of of sort of like, well, you're making me feel bad about this and you're doing this and it's because of your incompetence as a man that this is happening. And I feel like something like that doesn't really get highlighted a whole lot now because it's so close to what actually happens. And I think they were unintentionally shedding some light on some techniques that they were using at the time. I thought uh, in this section it was pretty interesting with that poor baby Trent, he gets shut down and um, <laughs> she's talking mad trash on all men. Like, uh, <laughs> like what would you guys feel like to be a man on this planet? It'd be awful. Um, and But something I was I thinking about is uh, she's saying that like men are physically weak and uh, inferior. 
And then it kind of feels like a joke because of, um, like, male domination historically has come through the ability of men to physically overpower women and being physically larger and therefore stronger. And that has been, like, the basis for domination in all realms. And anyway, that's why, I like, casting women who are, are like, mm-hmm. model-esque, uh, mm-hmm. but not strong per se in my my vision of the word um i just remember these silly. women being pretty athletic looking i, I don't know are they not uh I mean, they were significantly like taller runners, than everybody not like yeah, lifters okay. um still not strong enough uh for the average man like probably even trent would be able to <laughs> you know hold her down because just <laughs> like i'm this uh, this is why the muscle this is, mass yeah just like the way muscles are structured Right. I, I would assume they kind of had evolved because this culture had been around for so long. They kind of had somewhat evolved into like uh, having stronger women and weaker men just because of the roles that they were put into for so many years or something. But you're right. That wasn't painfully obvious, or nor was it shown. It was just simply stated because they wanted to get to it. And, you know, another perplexing thing about that dichotomy is that when um, Beata, Beata, what's her name? Beata. When she was with um, Riker alone, she puts on a very dress-like look and becomes yeah. pretty feminine very quickly. Um, hmm. uh, well, I mean, I wouldn't say very feminine very quickly. There's like a line that gets written in that in that um, scene, but uh, like in terms of how she kind of presents herself, it becomes feminine, don't you think? That brings up an interesting point, which is that this depiction of female power is women exhibiting male power. Yes, yes. Yes. And it's through the male gaze as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even even um, Picard says it. He says something about, because um, there was an objection that Riker put on, and he said something about, this objection doesn't have to do anything with the fact that Bayet is a woman, does it? Right. And an attractive one at that. He even mentions that. He says that to Troy and to um, and to Yar. Oh, does he? Okay. He, he's like, he's changing into the sexy outfit, and he's like, oh, does this bother you because I'm going to go meet Beata, who's an attractive woman? And they, I don't know what they're trying to convey with the look they give each other, like, can you give me a break? Or like, yeah. oh, maybe. I don't, know I don't know what they're saying. I don't saying. know what that was supposed yeah. to be. And then in the next scene, um, Beata says something that doesn't make any sense if this was the way that their culture had developed. She says, "Are you?" she says, they should go on without you to find the, the party that needs to be rescued from the freighter. And uh, he says, oh, I right. need to go. And she says, are, are you suggesting that your Lieutenant Yar and Troy can't do the search without the help of a man? That wouldn't be a thought that occurs to her. Right, right, right. That is someone from our universe putting those lines into that alien's mouth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a weird, weird dynamic. But I also wrote in my notes, Riker horny on main. Horny on main again. Homeboy Always so horny on main. Just d- uh, full on abandoned the mission altogether for some <laughs> Aquanet. I mean, Jesus Christ. Now, to be fair, this is Star Trek diplomacy, right? It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I get it. I've been in an isolation pod for a couple of months too. You just jump at whatever's on the on the first away mission. But yikes! There oh there were God. some interesting writing choices in here. Like even when they first arrived at the council and they asked, you know, are the survivors here? And they respond, I'm not prepared to say. Like the whole yeah. audience is like, okay, so they are. Here. Okay, we, we're we here. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that was not coy at all. Well, yeah. I like that they were not lying. Yeah, yeah that's true. But it was a rule of their society but they hid that nothing. you. You yeah you don't lie you just give obfuscating comments. 
Um, can we go back to the beginning and back yeah. on the ship stuff? Yes. Should we talk ship stuff? The B okay, plot. Okay, so B plot, Wesley has a friend. He has <laughs> oh, a friend his own That's age. what you noticed? They're frolicking <laughs> around. They're wearing cute little snowsuits made of tinfoil. And oh. uh, I want that outfit to go skiing. I feel so bad for Will Wheaton, the actor, in that suit because you can tell how tight those pants are and how uncomfortable the one piece is and he's trying to like pull it to be a little looser the whole time he's on screen. Oh, and you feel so bad notice. for him. I thought it looked good. I was like, give it, me one of those. It looks really cool, but uh, yeah. it was tight. <laughs> cool and relative. I mean, like, Becca, if you take that skiing, you will not only suffer from uh, frostbite, Cheating. you will also have You'll get rash. sunburn. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Reflecting the sun from the snow into your face (laughs) with like tinfoil. Yeah, it looks like one of those things that sunbathers would unfold. You go down one hill and come back just covered like red and. (laughs) So Wesley goes into the holodeck and they have a ski lesson and then they come out having like exposed themselves to a virus in the holodeck. I never got where it came from. I don't no. either. I miss that. But he does uh, have a slight scent of oh. some sort of um, female Klingon pheromone. Right. It was, they were all on a field trip. Their school had gone on a field trip uh. together, the class. And then they were, those two boys were playing uh, like on their own in the holodeck and came out and they, that's how they infected the captain Got and Worf. Dr. Crusher is my favorite part of this episode. Yes. How does she do this? We learn that there are 900 people on the ship because 300 of them eventually get infected, and then Jordy says that's a third of the ship. So she has uh, <laughs> seen 300 patients in this one day, and then by the end, she's able to inoculate all 900. <laughs> <laughs> well, she does have a large medical staff, uh, and she is the head of a department that is Got taking it. care of all and this. They replicate but, stuff so quick now, right? It is still very impressive. Yeah. She's uh, uh, amazing. And like a lot of uh, the criticism that I've heard with this is like, why doesn't she get infected? She's going around like talking to everybody. She, she smells the thing. It. And uh, my counter is she probably was infected. And this is the doctor just working through like you got to push through it. And she's probably I used to. I thought she should have like started showing showing some side effects yeah. after seeing Picard. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it would have been I great to see her trying to it. get up out of bed to do these things and almost being right. unable to, right? And persevering. Right, right. And sometimes they have, there was the moment of discovery with Picard where, oh, it's the smell, I get it now. I Now I right. know how to make it. But um, then we didn't get any more of like, the how. Think about how difficult yeah. it is to come up with the vaccine right now for this coronavirus we're dealing mm-hmm. with. And for her to have 42 minutes to make it is like, come on, one well, woman who's yeah. head of medical, like treats <laughs> patients, and also is a researcher for vaccines. I know it's the future, but this is impressive. I feel like uh, making a vaccine for a like alien virus is probably something every doctor has to go through in medical school for Starfleet though, right? Because they probably have to do this all the time. <laughs> True. This is one of the many instances where science is magic in this yeah. world in that it's the timer, like you were mentioning before, it's it's the stakes that are heightening up. And eventually we know that technology will be able to fix or science will be able to fix something with some techno babble or whatever, or it won't. But how it comes about, it's all like people weren't as aware of creating either viruses or inoculations or vaccines even back in the day. So even 
even those words seemed like techno babble. You know what I mean? It's also the B plot, and they tend to kind of speed through things in the B plot a little bit just mm-hmm. to make sure that you're like, this is happening anyway. <laughs> but yeah. I want it noted that uh, that uh, Jean Luc Picard needed to have his hairy chest shown in this scene as well. <laughs> <laughs> Riker could Thank not goodness. have all of the hairy chest glory. <laughs> He was a shivery boy, Picard. He was really going for the shivers. He was. He was acting. Yeah, yeah. Acting. Acting. Um, Jordy Jordy takes the captain's chair really briefly. I wrote that down, and then my autocorrect changed it to Georgie takes the captain's chair. Georgie. That was nice. I don't think think Jordy ever is in charge of the ship very often. It's funny because you have to go so far down on the chain of command to get to where Jordy would be in charge and this is one of those scenarios. And he moves over to engineering eventually, right, too? So, like, he never would be on the bridge to do so. Well, he would, as head of engineering, he would still be in the lineup if, like, all of the other command uh, staff is sick or gone mm-hmm. for some reason. Mm-hmm. Now, um, why didn't Jordy get sick? Maybe he's immune because... He did eventually, uh, right? He did. Ah. That it's just true. that it took longer. Yeah. Um, After he heard that Klingon sneeze. <laughs> so this is a sidebar real quick. I watch everything now with subtitles on, whether it's in English or not. Uh-huh. Uh, and these subtitles, dis- like they made a distinct subtitle that said Klingon sneeze whenever Worf was doing <laughs> this Klingon sneeze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, that warranted a separate subtitle. <laughs> I wrote down, what is a Klingon sneeze? And then later I came back and wrote, oh, I see. So here's my theory on this. Uh, Because the hearing impaired probably don't hear the difference, but if you guys listen to the audio, there is reverb that they put on his cough. And so you can hear it almost echoing as if you could hear it through the Enterprise. Right. (laughs) Throughout the ship. (laughs) But I just thought it was interesting to describe it not as like a large sneeze or echoing sneeze, but this is very much a Klingon sneeze, you know? (laughs) Standard Klingon sneeze. One of those. <laughs> but back on the planet, uh, Riker does a little b- bit of diplomacy, uh, and that involves kissing on a bed. <laughs> I don't know if you guys noticed this, but my directorial brain got really excited about a lot of the camera work in this episode. Did you guys notice sure the camera did. work at all, or is it just me? I noticed, like, uh, as an actor in that situation, like, you really got to make up for a long time for them to nail this forward dolly move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. That's exactly so, right. Like, kind of a mini jib shot on over the bed. Yeah, there's a lot of dolly moves. So there's that one shot where they're in bed, and then we see it from the angle of them kissing, and then they get interrupted by the alert, and the, the camera pans all the way down to a new perspective, but it's all in the same shot of just seeing yeah. her uh, answering the call. And I was like... They're doing a lot of dynamic stuff in here. If you see it on the Enterprise yeah. too, there's a ton of dolly movement in this episode. It's very uh, different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think they were still trying to find their style too of what does this show look like? It's not original series, but it's not quite, you know, Buffy or something like that or Friends. So where where's that balance? Uh, and there was a lot of artistic choices. One of, one of the compliments that I will give to this actress who played Beata though, uh, during one of these camera shots, I call them soap takes of just silent of like, I've revealed something and now we wait till commercial break. (laughs) She had a really good moment where she got some information and did some great like eye acting of like taking that information in, processing it, giving like a response look all in this non-dialogue sequence that I really was Mm -hmm. like, good job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she had a really difficult role because Mm -hmm. we hate her. Mm Mm-hmm. Inherently, (laughs) Um, whether it's our programmed um, sort of like uh, 
programmed as oppression of women or mm. uh, or just like just this reversal that feels so dirty if a man were saying these words that it's it's a hard thing to play and I thought I saw, I noticed those moments as well I find her to be like a likable antagonist like in a way because mm-hmm. I felt sorry for her conditioning or like you know her cultural programming a little bit This is really interesting because we're coming from a place of consuming media as cisgendered men. We've been catered to of this sort of likable ruffian boss character, whereas, you know, when and we see that in this this character because it's coded like a man type of thing. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to see what she comes off as from different perspectives. They did write some elements of her character from a female perspective uh, mm-hmm. that she will listen when there is the um, execution scene. No, it's true. She lets Riker speak and then she um, uh, like pauses the trial in order to discuss what he said and is taking it into account, which is like the ability to listen. <laughs> Not that I exhibit it well, but uh, <laughs> uh, she does more than an. Uh, other leaders we've seen on other planets. And they they highlight that too in their first meeting. Uh, Riker has like a witty banter with the first like officer for her that turns out to be the, the Mistress spy. Mistress Ariel? Yes, Mistress Ariel. And she says something along the lines of like, you speak the words but you don't listen or you speak the words but you don't intend what you're saying. And he tries to witty throw it back at her but she's like, no, you're not do you're not listening. And and it's it's a great point mm-hmm. that she makes. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so back to the bed scene. <laughs> Riker's a little bit like hesitant. He doesn't know if it's the right thing, but it seems like he was down because he put on the outfit and went to her room and said he's not going on the mission. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh, we didn't get. I an think he was eager to have d- diplomacy well, happen. Yeah, this goddess is on sorry and trouble. So um, anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this line. He says, "But will you still respect me in the morning?" And she says, mm, "I hope so." <laughs> <laughs> Meaning, like, you better not disappoint. I yeah. can't make any promises until uh, we see good. how this goes. But I would like I, for just, I, like, I one gold-pressed latinum to be left on the dresser and she's gone yeah. in the morning. <laughs> I don't think they've introduced that yet. Damn, it's currency. What is that? <laughs> it's currency, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, we haven't talked about Ramsey. I hate Ramsey. I hate Ramsey, too. <laughs> He's is the it, worst. Is it because he's, his motivation is just like, no, I want to stay here. There's no yes. reasoning. Yeah. It's, it's a little weak. It's just like, get the fuck off this planet, yeah. dude. No. I kind of wish they made you it about. You are upsetting the whole order. You have ruined their female. I know it's not right. <laughs> but part but of here's me the thing. likes it the women are in charge. <laughs> yeah. And and the thing the thing is with with the storyline that we saw with Beata, it was so easy for us to flip that and be like, okay, I could easily see a man doing this. But could you see them writing this from a woman's perspective? Of she fell in love with a man on a man-centric planet, and now she doesn't want to leave. She would be. There's no way that this translates. Peace. See ya. I feel like they would yeah. make a wise choice if they did that, which is they'd make it about her love for the man and that the man right. doesn't want to leave his island or his planet. And so that's what I thought they would do with Ramsey. Like, he loves his new family, and his new family can't leave their society. But they do just made it about him. Like, or this something. land is mine. It's about yeah. ownership and territory. Right, right. It's it's weak and awful, and I hate him, but he's got a pretty good mullet, and I hate that I like it. <laughs> I, yeah. I kept writing down what he looked like, which was like a low-budget sting. 
from the police? Yes. Or like uh, someone who auditioned for MacGyver and didn't make the cut. <laughs> right. I I thought it was the MacGyver actor for a hot second. I was like, oh. Richard oh, Dean no, Anderson? No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he looks like Khan later, too, a little bit. He's got some Oh, Khan he's got flavor. the hair, yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We also learn here that men don't get a vote in this right. world, which is pretty messed up. I thought you said men don't get a boat. I'm like, should we be getting boats? <laughs> you guys are getting boats? What? <laughs> Pre-1919, women suffrage. <laughs> suffrage. <Yeah>. What up? <laughs> okay. <clears throat> um, so there's a discussion with Ramsey and with Data and with Riker about the whole like prime directive part of this because they're apparently immune to the prime directive because they're not a starship, right? Because they because the whole prime directive is like if you have warp technology, you're not supposed to interfere with non-warp technology societies. Is that the specific Xander that I'm getting? This whole thing is messy as <laughs> shit. It doesn't make any right. sense. Who who the fuck? Maybe knows? I won't they're, try to over-rationalize yeah. it. Right, they should have Prime Directive applied if they are able to do this sort of interstellar travel? In a way, yes. Like, they are not part of the, like... It's it's like they're sort of um, coal miners that stumbled upon uh, like the the ruins of an ancient civilization. Mm-hmm. Like there, no one's going to stop these coal miners from digging the coal mine uh, or digging the coal up. But they really should talk to somebody. And if someone found out what they were doing, they would get in a lot of trouble. And the whole thing probably belongs in a museum. <laughs> well said. Well said. <laughs> um, but they totally. decide that okay, we're going to try and let these guys live here, I guess. And then it. Turns Turns out that, oh no, they've been captured. Because uh, they were followed when they went out to go for search for them, right? Right. Who's or the they spy? they gave the information away, is how right. it seems. Um, and Ariel, it turns out, is uh, allied with them and is in love with Ramsey, right? I yes. got a comment on this actor's uh, betrayal when she is brought to, you know, the headquarters and she's told she's sentenced to death. <laughs> Maybe she was trying to play it cool, like, I'm tough. Her face had literally zero reaction. Not even, like, a little fear in the eyes or anything. It's like, you will be sentenced to death. And she's like, okay, bitch. Is it Tuesday? There were some some non-threatening examples of, like, the execution, too. Because when they showed off the machine, they just took a vase. And they just You mean their best urn that they got rid of just to show how the machine works? I want to see like something like get pulverized or something or vaporized. It's just like, no. Yeah, you transported it into non-existence? Is this like a ritual every time you do the death penalty? Like it's like pulling out an electric chair and then frying up some potatoes and be like, see how powerful it is? Now let's put a person there. Yeah. You you state hired potters are very upset that all their work is just destroyed. Hours went into to that thing. Dang. Uh, well, so eventually, uh, Riker gives a speech that pretty much um, seals the deal, right? He just says it's uh, it's not right to treat people this way, and the evolution of culture changes, right? And so, and you'll turn them into martyrs. Yeah, and that's right. a fair point. I think. I think that's one of the better arguments that have been made at the end of these episodes. Is like you're gonna only hurt your cause by by just executing them. And then she reconsiders mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, stays the execution, and then. 
that's pretty much the end of the episode because, meanwhile, Crusher has solved the vaccination issue ups- upstairs. Well, right? I think Data Bingo. also solved a big old problem with his just calculation of like, oh, well, they could oh, fend off some yeah. Romulans. Yeah, we skipped all over that. <laughs> yeah. Everyone forgets about the Romulan situation. Yeah, we get a good example <laughs> of Data stalling for precision and like kind of vaguely disobeying orders because he knows he can, or not even disobeying, technicality. technicality. That, that's it. a good, yeah. good way or of saying it. it's following it so precisely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, that's a really good point, and it's uh, it's a good way to show off Data. And I think it's when Data starts to become more charming. I mean, he's been charming throughout this whole season, but like I think he becomes more endearing to the audience throughout yes. this little bit of just slight tweaks to his orders. I like that. I actually kind of enjoyed this episode. I think the I think the, I don't know, like the the flipping of the misogyny to misandry is uh, another classic track trope uh, track trope to to mm-hmm. just switch it up and while i agree that it's like not a it's definitely not an ideal feminist society i think the the crew of the enterprise for the most part are like trying to show that hey we've evolved past this and you guys are a little bit different i think that might be what the women like troy and yar are giving the kind of scoffing faces at because men like Riker mm-hmm. and picard also still kind of treat these women as like a little bit uh, less than in some ways they still regard it's them by so their funny. looks because when when they went down, Troy was the spokesperson for for mm-hmm. the for everybody, mm-hmm. and then it switches to Riker pretty abruptly. Mm-hmm. And whenever they would go back mm-hmm. to like the formal setting, I was like, Riker, shut up! Why isn't Troy yeah. saying this? Like, why isn't Troy negotiating these deals and making these points? Why are right. you talking right now? <laughs> Yeah, and why do they acknowledge him? They immediately accept him as the leader and set up a meeting. She doesn't even request to talk to Troy instead, which right. I think would have been an interesting point. Um, two things. One, the ending where uh, Beata says, in this cute and charming way, I guess we'll just have to try and reduce evolution to a slow crawl. And it's gross. That line just makes me feel sick. And it made me feel sick about the whole episode. Also, gotta shout out the planet Gazorpazorp from Rick and Morty, where uh, the male warriors are like these evil, gruesome, violent beings that are just... Oh, yeah. uh, shot out of a cannon into the wilderness um, so the women have their own society and only deal with these monstrous uh, creatures for procreation. <laughs> um, I uh, love that. It seems very much based on this as uh, inspiration. Yes. And, and I bet it um, was. Obsessed with Rick and Morty. And uh, I think that if you haven't seen the Kazarpazarp episode, <laughs> it's a great introduction. Uh, also, where I didn't know where you were going with that when you said also mentioning planet Kazarpazarp, and I was like, "What did so? Yeah. Is that a planet in Star Trek? <laughs> what did I miss this line?" <laughs> well, I think they really nailed the thing that we were just talking about. Like Rick is the smartest man in the universe and completely right. disregarded on Kazarpazarp. This uh, female-led um, wise people won't listen to him and Summer actually gets to step up and show her diplomatic prowess and mm-hmm. I think this is what in an earlier season before they had more female writers mm. um, shout out to Siobhan Thompson who's uh, a <laughs> friend and also a writer on Rick and Morty and they have more Ooh. female writers and more of a voice for Summer now but in some of the episodes and I think this was kind of like the transition as they were getting a more of a voice for her different show in space yeah different I, show but no. I, I want to comment on that too is that the first episode yeah. of this newest season was directed by a woman as a matter of fact Oh, the one with the whole Bechdel test joke in it too. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. 
Well, and the, I think you'll find that a lot of references in modern sci-fi that's going to be coming out, a lot of these creators were influenced by next-gen or original series. So Star Trek provides this sort of cultural touchstone uh, for sci-fi in general, which is amazing and gives me goosebumps. Especially because um, Star Wars was so absent during this time. Like, yeah. Star Wars, like, the, what, when did Jedi come out? Like, 83 or 84? So right. like, and then not till Phantom Menace. Yeah, nothing for yeah. a long time. And so Star Trek really got a chance to fill that void Mm -hmm. for a lot of impressionable young sci-fi fans us included well uh that was angel one and next week we're gonna visit one of the really interesting episodes one one zero zero one zero zero one I'm excited the name for this. Of the episode. Uh, while a group of technologically advanced aliens board the Enterprise to update the ship's computer, Riker discovers just how real a holodeck character can be. Just how horny you can get on name. <laughs> I was going to say, th- we've had like three solid Riker's horny episodes, and this will mm. be another one, as I recall. Uh, mm. From some clips I've seen, there's more to come. <laughs> well, said. well said. No pun intended. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I've been I've, I've been uh, really sick lately. I don't throat. know if I'm able to. Engage. Riker, could you? Engage. Engage. <laughs>